You know, his head was uh, spinning. His heart, he felt like it was going to beat out of his chest. You know, the anger, the anxiousness, that sickening feeling kind of sweeping over him. And he struggled when he was uh, looking at his children. I mean, he could hear their muffled cries, the gentle weeping. You know, his wife that he had loved had bolted. And he had heard people say that she'd been seen with other men, but he thought that it was just talk. And so that evening, as he tried to keep things together and keep them as normal as he possibly could, you know, he's preparing dinner. He's trying to help the kids with their homework. He made it through the nightly routine, and as he was tucking his children in bed, one of the kids asked him, Daddy, when's Mommy coming back? And that answer was probably one of the most difficult things he'd ever done. I mean, that night, I imagine as he was getting ready for bed, he noted that the closet was empty. Maybe he could still smell the faint perfume. And then I imagine that he had a conversation with God to say, why me? I mean, why do I have to go through this? I think he probably laid in bed that night, and he gently wept. And so it begins a love story that I want to talk about today, a a love story of epic proportions, a love story that I think there's no other like. It's the love story of Hosea and Gomer. You know, Hosea was a prophet of God. He was a spokesman for God before the nation of Israel. Gomer, his wife, she's the most beautiful woman in the land. And personally, I'm thinking with a name like Gomer, that's a good thing. (laughs) Now, when when I hear the name Gomer, my first thought, yeah, shag carpet, sitting in the living room and watching Gomer Pyle, USMC. How many many of you remember that? All right, we're dating ourselves. I mean, the, the show was quite funny, wasn't it? I remember one of the episodes, Gomer, he fell in love with the tone-deaf wannabe club singer, Luann Povey. Do you remember that? I mean, the first time he saw her, he, he, he was in love. And, and Gomer, with that limited vocabulary of his, the only thing that he could say about how he felt about her was Shazam! Now, I'm not sure what Shazam means. But when I think about Hosea and Gomer, Shazam. I mean, it is a love story out of this world. It is a love story on a whole different stratosphere. Shazam. Today, I want to look at that love story. It's a love story. It's found in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Hosea. And I want you to realize as we're talking today, it's kind of a dual drama going on. You've got the first drama being played out with Hosea and Gomer. It's their love story. It's it's real. It's tragic. And then the second drama represents God's love, God's relationship with Israel and with us 
how God loves us. And one of the things I want you to note is when you run from God, you will run right into God. And it's exactly what happened with Gomer. Gomer, she, she is running. She, she's running away from Hosea. And Gomer leaves. And get this, she becomes a high-priced call girl. Now, I want you to picture she's tooling around Samaria, maybe a black Benz, a red one, I don't know. She's part of the jet set crowd. She's partying. She's living it up. People that see her think she's got the world by the tail. She's running from Hosea, but she ends up running into him, and she's so contemporary. I mean, how many of you have ever tried to run from God? You know, you get so busy, involved in everything in this world, that you have no time to think about the mess you're making in your life. You know, when you run from God, you think you can outdistance God. You think you can shake God. And so you run, you take off, you bolt. You know, you look to your left, he's not there. You look to your right, he's not there. You look up, he's not there. You look down, he's not there. And in your mind, you're thinking, I've done it. I've gotten away from God. And then God gently taps you. Where are you running to? Where are you running to, my child? And then we break free, don't we? We try and run again. I remember... uh, this was almost 20 years ago, but I, I was playing basketball up at the YMCA, and I found myself matched up man-to-man against Kevin Gamble. Now, at the time, Kevin was in the NBA. He was a starter with the Boston Celtics. He had been called up to replace someone you might have heard of, Larry Bird. Now, I've known Kevin since high school. We played, we played ball together in high school and in college. Anyway, we're playing at the Y. Kevin's guarding me. I got the pass, all right? And I faked to the right, but then I dribbled left. And I took the reverse on him. And I'm getting ready to put it up, and Kevin goes up. Up, up, up. And so I switch hands, and I just toss it up. And Kevin misses it. And it hits the glass kisses, and goes in. I mean, it's string music. It's beautiful. (laughs) There were a few pros that were there that day, several ex-pros. They started talking trash big time. They're like, Kev, you're letting preacher boy dazzle you. (laughs) And for a nanosecond, I thought about quitting ministry and going in the NBA. (laughs) Every Thursday night, I've, I've, I'm wore out after basketball. But uh, anyway, I thought about it about that long, and then I got brought back to reality. Kevin started actually playing defense, <laughs> serious defense. You know, I tried my best moves. I tried to shake him. I tried head fakes and rocker steps and spin moves and crossovers and fadeaways. I tried everything I could think of, and I couldn't get away from him. 
In fact, I couldn't even get a shot off. It, it was the most pathetic display of basketball skills ever. I mean, it was horrible. And the fact is, that's how it is with God. We try our very best to get away from God. We try to shake him. We try head fakes. We think God's going to be fooled. We, we spin. We fade away. We do all this stuff. And even though we run, even though we, we try to outdistance God, have you figured out you can't, you can't shake him? I mean, God's omnipresent, Scripture says. God will pursue us with irrational love. God is a God who loves you, who's always there, even though we run. I mean, that, that was the case. That was the case for Gomer. Even though she, she's a prostitute, even though she's moving from one guy to the next, Hosea still pursues her with his love. I think that's what happens in our lives. I mean, when, when we don't respond to God, you know, when we don't respond to God's pursuing love and that gentle touch, I mean, what's God do? Well, God throw up his hands and go, I'm done. That's it. I'm not chasing you anymore. No. God does something really amazing, something that I marvel at. When we run, when we don't respond to that pursuit of God, that first pursuit, God doesn't give up. God does something that I think reveals the depth of love, the depth of passion that he has for you and me. You know, I mean, we see it played out in the life of Hosea and Gomer. I mean, this lovesick husband. You know, first of all, God will block your way in life. You ever had that happen? Scripture says in Hosea 2.6 says, Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. God loves you and me enough to make things painful sometimes. God loves us enough that he's willing to block our path, to block it with thorns, Scripture says, to, to let us get scratched up a little bit, allow us to go through some difficult situations and circumstances. Why? So we'll turn to him. Some of you, that's why you're here today. It took that, that tough stuff. I think I've shared this before, but a guy I used to play ball with, uh, this was several years ago, but he got a puppy. And it was one of those bull mastiffs. He named the puppy Daisy. She was 150 pounds. I mean, it looked like a horse. And he tried all kinds of ways. He was trying to keep the dog in the yard. And he wasn't having much luck. I mean, she was a good dog, he said, but she'd get excited. And when that happened, all bets were off. And he said uh, pretty much she would go through anything. He put up a, a wooden fence, privacy fence. She barreled right through it like it was toothpicks, he said. Finally, he purchased one of those, uh, the invisible fences, you know what I'm talking about? You know, where you put the collar on the dog and they get shocked and uh, they take him through training and everything. And what happens is the collar begins to beep when they get close to, to that line of where the fence would be. And what's supposed to happen when they hear the beep is, you go, I'm going to get shocked. I better turn around and go back. He said the very first day that she was on her own, he let her out, and she sees a dog on the other side of the road. 
He said the collar's beeping, getting louder, getting louder, getting louder. said she went right through like it was nothing, yelped, and then across the street she went. She got clipped by a car. He said they spent the evening in the, in the vets. Uh, she had to get several stitches. But friends, I want you to think about that. Because that's what we do. That's what we do in our lives. I mean, don't we? True? God has a fence around us. God's put a hedge of protection around us to keep us safe. And our collar starts beeping. I mean, our conscience, the Holy Spirit in us. And what do we do? You know, it's warning us, be careful, don't do that, don't do that. But like Daisy, I think we bolt. I, I think we keep going. We, we don't pay attention to the blockades. We don't pay attention to the fences. It, it causes a lot of turmoil, a lot of difficulty in, in our lives because we don't do that. When you hear that warning signal, best advice, turn to God. Turn to God. Don't wait till you're through the fence. It doesn't play well. How many of you have ever felt like God was blocking your path somewhere? Come on. I mean, we've all, we've all been there. It's, it's what happens to Gomer. She, she doesn't slow down. She just keeps going. You know, at first, she, she's cruising around. She's got her bins. She's looking good, living the high life. Then she starts having troubles. Scripture says she starts experiencing difficulties in her life. She's being controlled. She's being bought. She's being sold. You know, it's getting cheap. You know, the money, the resources, they're starting to dry up in her life. And I imagine there were times when she was alone that she gently weeps. But God's pursuing her. God's trying to love her. Hosea begins to have a conversation with God. You know, he's talking about the situation. And I I can only imagine what that conversation would have been like. I mean, I imagine God saying, you know, Hosea, do you know where Gomer is? It was painful even to be asked. Yes, Lord, I know where she is. I know who she's living with. I know what she's up to, God. And God tells Hosea that he wants wants him to take her money, take her some supplies. Hosea, that's what I do for my children all the time. Even when God is trying to get our attention, even when he's blocking our path, God continually keeps reaching out to us. I can't tell you how many times God's reached out to me when I didn't deserve it. So Hosea, he tracks her down. He actually finds Gomer's lover. And he gives the money to him. Gives him the supplies. Says, would you give this to my wife? I want you to think about that for a minute. I mean, can you imagine how humiliating that must have been? I mean, can you imagine what what her lover thought? 
I mean, I, I imagine as Hosea was walking away that he's going, what a fool. This guy's an idiot. You know, I picture Hosea kind of standing off in the distance. I mean, he's watching. He's watching as the, this lover of hers gives money to her, gives her these gifts, and he acts like they came from him. I imagine Hosea just shaking his head in disbelief. Does, doesn't she understand? Doesn't she understand the source of those blessings? Doesn't she understand who provided this stuff? I, I wish she knew. I wish she understood. I mean, I don't understand how the, she's letting them control her. I don't understand why she's letting herself be bought and sold. It's a bit diverted. Perverted. Inverted. I think he gently wept. Can you feel the pain of that? Friends, how often in our lives do we give everybody, give everybody else credit, but we don't give it to God? You know, we give ourselves credit for how we network, you know, how our abilities, our creativity, our education, we, we give, our, give the credit because of who we are. We even give credit to luck. And I believe God's standing off in the distance. He's assessing the situation. And like Hosea, I think God's shaking his head in disbelief. Don't they understand? Don't they understand who gave them that? Don't they understand who elevated them? Don't they understand who created them? Who provided the corner office? Don't they get it? And friends, I think there are many times that God looks down and just weeps. I mean, it is diverted, it is perverted, and it's inverted. And friends, maybe nobody's ever alerted you to this, but let me ask you this. Who gets the credit when you're blessed in your life? I mean, who gets the credit? Because I know some of you are going, well, well God does, of course. Well, friends, does God get your worship? Does God get your time? Does God get your resources? Does God get your best? I mean, your very best? Does he? You know, Gomer, she didn't realize that Hosea had given her the grain, had given her the wine and the oil and the money. She didn't realize it was Hosea who's lavishing her with with silver and gold. Friends, God blocks her way. God reaches out to her. And she ignores it. And then God ups the ante. God begins to very systematically remove the resources in her life. You know, all of a sudden, Gomer's life's getting scaled back. I picture the bank coming to get the bins. Before long, she doesn't have anything. Every day, it's difficult. Every evening, I imagine she gently weeps realizing that it's all gone. Scripture says, therefore, I will take away my grain when it is ripened. My new wine when it's ready, I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her naked body. See, God blocks the path. You know, and we start having problems, difficulties. And then God systematically begins to take away the resources. 
You know, many times it is how God works. You know, my mind rushes to a couple stories. One, the, like, the great running man in Scripture. You know, it's the, that, that picture of uh, Jonah, and he's on the run. Jonah, Jonah's, God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go on a mission. What's Jonah say? Mm-mm, not doing that. I'm going to run. I'm going to outrun God. Jonah thought he could outdistance God. He thought he could outmaneuver God. He thought giving God a little head fake, a little spin move, and he'd be free. And so he goes to Joppa. He boards a cruise ship, decides to go on this Mediterranean vacation, and God blocks his way. It's a big storm. The crew freaks out on the ship. They're trying to figure out why this is going on. And so Jonah finally says, I know why the storm hit. It's because I'm running from God. They said, well, we'll fix that. They chuck him overboard. The Bible says that God had a great fish swallow him. And he's in the belly of this fish three days. Can you imagine the fish slime, first of all? The digestive juices, they're eating away at his skin. God looks at Jonah and he just strips everything. Jonah's Jonah's got nothing at this point. Every mistake he's made. I mean, surely he's been learning from it. I mean, he's dying. And it's in that moment when everything's gone that Jonah decides he's going to get right with God. He decides he's going to stop running from God. He decides he's going to do what God asked him to do. And so Jonah, he weeps. I mean, he cries out to God. And God delivers him. Friends, God loves us that much. I mean, God will block our ways. God will remove the resources if he needs to. He will do whatever it takes, you know, to alert you, to get you to see. You know, how about the prodigal son? I mean, we love that story, but there's a lot of pain in that story. Prodigal son, he goes to his dad, says, I want my inheritance. I'd like it now, please. And I am sure, Scripture doesn't say this, but I'm sure that this father could see that his son was on a very dangerous path. I'm sure that he tried to block his son. But at some point, he said, all right. And just gave in, gave him the inheritance. And the boy bolts. After some time, this Jewish boy, and this is important, he's Jewish. He ends up bottoming out. Everything gets stripped from him. He's broke. He's in a foreign country. And this is the part you got to get. He's fighting pigs for the slop. A Jewish boy. Pigs are not good. He's trying to fight them to get their food. God systematically just removes the resources from his life. And finally, it was in that moment that that young man come to his senses and he returns home. His father welcomes him. Gomer has not returned to her senses yet. 
Gomer is still running. She's still cruising. She's doing her thing. And friends, let me clue you in on something. When you seek freedom in life, and when that freedom causes you to break the principles and the precepts of God, it will control you. It will own you. You will be bought and sold. Bought and sold as slaves. Sometimes? No. Most of the time? No. Always. Always. That's always the case. You know, our, our kind of uh, modern world, we, we say, you know what, I got to do what works for me. Even if it means turning my back on God and what God wants. Friends, you do that, you'll become a slave. You become a slave. You become a slave to your own desires. You become a slave to your own passions, your own pleasures, your own shortcomings will own you. You know, a lot of people are running around. They think, I'm free. I'm free. Really? Do you want that kind of freedom? I mean, ask uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman about freedom. Ask Bernie Madoff about freedom. Ask Whitney Houston about freedom. Ask Kurt Cobain about freedom. Be very, very careful. You will be bought and sold so quick you won't even know what happened. Gomer, she's, she's messed up. Her life, it's getting harsh. In fact, it's getting so bad she can't even make money anymore. There isn't a man that wants her. She, she's in debt. She's trying to survive. She's just trying to live. And do you know what she did? She comes up with a plan. She decides that she will sell herself as a slave. I mean, she's desperate. And it's a tragic story, if you think about it. I mean, here's Gomer. She's married to the spokesman of God, to this great prophet, Hosea. And she's putting herself on an auction block. She's going to be sold as a slave. You know, we, we talked about that God will block our way, that he'll use difficulties in our life. He'll use the problems that come. He'll remove the resources, you know, strip things away if he needs to. So what you would anticipate, if you follow that line of reasoning, is the next stage, maybe hell, maybe fire, brimstone, annihilation, devastation, something like that. But it's not. See, Gomer's going to sell herself into slavery. And I want you to think about it. Can you hear God talking to Hosea now? Hosea? Hey, you know what's happening to your wife? Hosea. She's putting herself on the auction block. She's going to sell herself as a slave. Hosea, you know what I'd do? I'd go buy her back. I'd reinstate her. And friends, here's the amazing thing. Hosea had that kind of love. I mean, can you picture it? Can you picture him leaving the house that morning? Maybe he caught the kids said, bring mom back home today. I mean, can you see Gomer as she's being drug out 
stripped of all of her clothes, and she's brought out before everyone for the bidding. I mean, that was the custom in that day. And friends, I can just imagine as she's standing there before the crowd, the humiliation, the shame, anguish. I think she gently wept. You hear the auctioneer says, we'll start the bidding. And Hosea, he just jumps in and says, 15 pieces of silver and all this barley. And the auctioneer goes, sold. I mean, sold. It's a, it's a quick sell. I mean, she must have been in bad shape. She sold for about half what a slave normally would have sold for in that day. Hosea bought her back, but Gomer had no clue who had bought her until Hosea shows up and he has clothes for her. He covers her nakedness, Scripture says. Can you imagine when she finally realized who had bought her? I mean, at this point, Hosea could have killed her, could have tortured her, abused her. That's how it was in that day. He owned her. He'd bought her. He could have sold her. But he didn't. He reinstates her. He brought her back as his wife. It is an amazing, amazing story. Amazing love, amazing grace, an irrational love. And friends, it's the kind of love that we need in our lives. You know, in a real way, I think about my life, and you can think about yours. We're, we're on the auction block. Auctioneer says, let's start the bidding. And friends, people are bidding, trust me. This world's bidding for us, you know, with pl- power and pleasure and money, sensuality and sex, the world's bidding, and friends, the bidding is very heated. And can you imagine in the back row, maybe, that nail-scarred hand gets raised. You know, Jesus, with, with all the authority, all the humility, all the, the power, supernatural power, Jesus says, I'll pay whatever the price is. I'll spill my blood. I will die for them. I will take on their iniquities. I'll do it on the cross. I'll pay their debt. And the auctioneer says, sold. Bought for a price. You were bought for a price. I was bought for a price. And this time, it's not a low price. It is the highest price. And I can almost picture as Jesus walks through the crowd and all the clamor and all the noise and he covers our our spiritual nakedness with his righteousness. And he forgives us. I mean, he could have sentenced us to death, eternal damnation. Instead, he adopts us into his family. He puts us in, in place. You know, reinstates us. Gives us a home in heaven purpose for living and friends it's a purpose like none other in this life that's the kind of love that God has for you I mean even when we run 
Even when we do our own thing, God loves us so much that he's going to block our way when he needs to. He will use the difficulties and the problems in your life. Why? To get your attention. He will systematically remove your resources if he needs to. Why? Because he loves you. He cares about you. He will do whatever's necessary so that he can grip you with that grace, that love, amazing love, amazing love. Friends, some of you just need to acknowledge that love today. I'm going to invite the the band up and... uh, We're going to share in music, but to realize how much God loves you. You know, Scripture says, sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a what? A moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, But joy comes in the morning. And some of you, you've been running. You've been running. God's been trying to box you, hedge you in, and you just bolt, and you keep bolting. And quit, quit running. You know, some of you, God is stripping it away, even as we speak. And here's what I know. You can save yourself a lot of pain in life. God will strip away whatever he needs to strip away till you bow a knee to him. It's that plain and simple. I've learned it's better to drop and give the knee than to keep fighting and running. I'd challenge you. Our, we've got prayer teams that will be down front after, after the, the song and after worship and uh, be glad to pray with you. But uh, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I know there are some here today, they're running. They're running hard. And God, I pray you just stop them in their tracks. Your Holy Spirit would just whisper in their ear. God, I know there are some that are, they've hit the wall hard. God, I pray that uh, they would look back and realize that It was the very thing they needed to get straight with you, to get things right with you, to get on a path toward that abundant life that you promised. And God, every one of us here, we have ran. There are many of us today that just are humbled and marvel at the love depth of love that you've had the forgiveness you've offered God thank you for reinstating us making us your sons and daughters God I pray that uh, everything we say everything we do would be pleasing in your sight and when you say go left we go left when you say go right we go right God, help us to submit ourselves to your power, your ways, your will, your word. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. This day and every day.
And God's people said, let's worship to God.